everyone, it's Brandon and Jesse, and we're the Box Office Bomb Squad. This is where we break down some of the biggest bombs that ever hit theaters, and today's bomb is X-Men Dark Phoenix. Hello, old friend. Save the old friendship, Charles, and stay out of my way. I'm sorry for what she did, but I can't let you go in there. You're always sorry, Charles, and there's always a speech. But nobody cares anymore. We do this here, now, they'll see us as monsters. Violent freaks fighting on the streets of New York. What did I tell you? Damn it, man, your homeland will be gone. Everything you care about. Save it. If you touch her, I will fucking kill you. Don't do this, Eric. Killing Jean will not bring Raven back. The girl dies. They use their one F-bomb <laughs> to make Cyclops look tough. Yeah. So real quick, $200 million film, very expensive. Very expensive reshoots happen. Uh, made $252 million. Not enough to consider it a success. Lost probably close to $100 million overall. Um, the reshoots changed the ending completely because apparently the original ending was the Dabari fleet uh, coming to just take over Earth and Jean Grey fully engulfed in the Phoenix Force, flying up and destroying the ships and becoming like this ultimate hero who in the end sacrificed herself to take down the main ship. But they realized that that is very similar to Miss Marvel's ending and it was changed last minute to give us that train scene, which is a very exciting scene. So I got to say, I think that change was a, a plus. I think the train scene is probably one of the best scenes in this film. I agree. So uh, let's go to our little favorite bit here before we get into it. There's a lot to talk about in this film, so I'm going to push it right along. But Jesse, five degrees of Joe Morton. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Break it down, Joe. I'm still just waiting to hear this as somebody's ringtone. <laughs> I can get you the file if you're interested. Uh, so uh, it's my turn. Um, I've got it in two. I've got it in two as well. Cool. I got McAvoy to Oliver Platt. Okay. In X Men First Class, yes, very yes. good. He was the Man in Black, uh, and then Oliver Platt to Joe Morton in my one of my favorites, Executive Decision. <laughs> it's so funny that you went with McAvoy to your old reliable because I also chose McAvoy, who was in the sequel to Romeo and Juliet, Sherlock Gnomes, which starred Johnny oh, Depp, oh who is God. the titular astronaut for Astronaut Flight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. And yes, I have seen Romeo and Juliet and Sherlock Gnomes. I've seen both of them. I have as well, and I forgot McAvoy was even in that. Yeah, McAvoy's the he's Gnomeo. Yeah, he's the main gnome. Yeah, and then yeah. Johnny Depp is Sherlock Gnomes in the sequel. Yes. So I was like, oh. gosh, it's been so long since I've seen those movies. I will admit that this one came to mind immediately, and I thought it was funny to use Gnomeo and Juliet stuff because, like, who the hell even remembers that animated series? But I was like. Using it, using it, oh, didn't yeah. even do research. Probably could have been a better one out there, but I was like, no, that's fantastic. No. Plus, it, it connected to astronauts' wife, and you know how 
You know how I like connecting to astronauts, wife. Yeah. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I went Ooh, that holds this podcast together. Yes, yes, of course. It's <laughs> it's the movie by which all other movies are judged, for better yeah. or for worse. Yep. Oh <laughs> uh, boy, it's the true neutral of movies. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway, Jesse, there's so much to talk about. Uh we need to jump right into it. let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Three words, Jesse. I know you love them. I know you're excited every time one shows up. Evil Space Cloud. <laughs> Nothing like a good evil space fart to just kick <laughs> off a movie, man. Is this the, what, third, fourth evil space cloud we've dealt with? Uh, Astronaut's wife had an uh-huh. evil space cloud. Green, uh, Lantern. Green Lantern had an evil space cloud. This has an evil space cloud. Was there an evil space cloud in Jupiter Jones? Or, no, I mean, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Whatever the it place. probably was. But uh, it's this hard this to is say. a Fantastic Four had an evil space cloud. Yeah. Uh, evil space clouds, man, they're they're the thing. Oh, boy. that's how you put butts in seats, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know what kids want? Evil space clouds. <laughs> kids are always talking about how they're scared of clouds. It's like, sir, I think they said clowns. <laughs> Bullshit, Jenkins, right. do it. <laughs> so much background with this fucking film. Like, there's. Obviously, Disney bought this shit like while it was already made. So this was going to happen. New Mutants. We've already done New Mutants. That was the last one. This was right before it. This ends the Fox franchise for the mutant team we know. Uh, obviously, the time doesn't fucking make any sense. We'll talk about that because this is the <laughs> 90s. So like Beast Nicholas Holtz, 50 something years old at this point, whatever. Um, at one point. The Dabari were actually scrolls. They changed them during reshoots, and the entire third act was changed in 2018 because the original was set in space with Jean Grey taking out spaceships. And uh, they were like, this is too similar to Captain Marvel, so we need to change it. So they changed it to the Dabari. The Dabari are the uh they're affectionately called the broccoli people among comic <laughs> book people because that's what they kind of look like were stocks of broccoli and then they set it on earth so they did the whole train scene instead uh the reshoots apparently it, the reason the train is so much more exciting than everything else is because those reshoots were told like the movie's sort of boring uh it needs it needs to be livened up so that train scene was like balls to the wall action for that exact reason yeah, which I I enjoyed the train scene uh, quite a bit. It was uh, it was it was just a really interesting scene. Um, I mm-hmm. heard a lot of I, I like the brutality of it that you don't normally get all that much of in your face in uh, X Men yeah, I mean, movies. Nightcrawler's straight up fucking killing people. He, yeah, and he's he's there's some marbles rattling out of his head at the end there when he grabs the girl and puts her in front of the train that, um, Oh yeah. What, he, they, what uh, they call that? Uh, the stair a thousand mile stair. Well, no, it's like, it's, um, it's Norman Bates when he does it. You, oh. you smile and then you look over, look, you turn your head down and look through your eyebrows. It's I funny you it was, say that. Cause he played a young Norman Bates on, uh, did he? yeah, he played young oh. Norman Bates and Bates, the, the yeah. show. Freaking, it's got that going then. Damn. Cody, Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was cool. I like that we get to see him actually kick some ass. Fastbender, of course, in that scene. Man, fantastic. McAvoy, One of your McAvoy, favorite McAvoy, lines. Fastbender. Oh, yeah. 
Fassbender's so fucking good throughout. Oh yeah, so much of this. Um, when he's threatened or by the the uh, Vulk, the main villain, she's like, "I don't wish to fight you," and he's like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, damn, he's just <laughs> badass." So he's so, so good. Bad. And then McAvoy is just doing everything he can. And unfortunately, this movie is just not great. It's just not a well put together film. Uh, it looks pretty. Uh, but it's kind of boring and the dialogue is a little stilted and it, it it would probably be a better film if it wasn't such a goofy premise on the inside where if it was a little more serious, I probably wouldn't hate the amount of stuff, but like there are things that are edgy in this to be edgy. Like it's raining at the funeral and I'm like, why the fuck is it raining at a funeral? What the fuck storm? What are you here for? Get the the fucking rain out of here. You dumb bitch. What are you doing? What a, what a mean mean person for Storm to be like should rain during this funeral. Do you, do you fuck, think she's? You think it's raining because she's sad? No, she, her emotions aren't control. She doesn't. She can control it. Doesn't have the emotional uh, issue because we learned that her powers are amped up from Apocalypse in the previous film. Yeah. So she has complete control. She's choosing. She's actively <laughs> deciding if it's rain all over. Awesome. She likes the house to smell like that. By the way. I, I just went, I was I was thinking to myself, man, I wish I had seen Michael Fassbender in something recently. So I went on what his upcoming movies are. One of them at the top of the list is Kung Fury 2. Yeah. He is Colt Magnum. Yeah. Such a fucking cool name. <laughs> All right. Kung Fury, personal favorite of mine. Oh, God, yeah. That explains the laser raptors. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, uh, wait, that, I made my friends watch that because I'm like, you guys don't know what this is. So I watch it, and like we were playing Magic because we're a bunch of nerds. Everyone stopped playing to just watch it. They're just <laughs> yeah, completely mesmerized. Can't help it. <laughs> um, yeah, the fact that you're you the know- best partner I ever had. Damn it, you're like a father to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's okay. so many lines. It's the, a great. The, the movie's so full, so many like ridiculous, over the top '80s bullshit. It's so good. Yeah, I would rather, much rather, be watching that than That's this. True, it's so. I will true. say the first twenty minutes of this, the the adventure into space. I actually was like entertained. I really liked it. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is good. Like it's pure X Men. It it's fast. It's going. There's things going on. But then the movie just falls apart right after that. Right after they get back from space, just so gets there is one thing floaty, lighty. I, I can't explain it, it. It's so there's several things that I feel like happen in this movie. Number one, I want to preface everything I'm about to say with I absolutely love the music in the movie. The score is really oh, I good. Yeah, I don't, By itself, I will admit. I am disappointed that we didn't get a little bit of music of the time oh, yeah. and a little bit of Quicksilver. I know it's like, oh, doing it again, and they didn't want to do that again, but come on, guys. That's kind of like the, that's the standout scene for the last two films is the yeah. Quicksilver. We do yeah. it all the time with Guardians of the Galaxy. Let us have it in X-Men 2. People love it. Yeah. Um, so it's a great score overall. Um, mm. The thing is, I think – Part of the pacing issue in the movie is that if you listen to it, there are a couple moments of levity in the music. However, those are like I can almost count them. On, I can count them. Um, like 
when they're in space, uh, when they actually make it into space, there's a mm-hmm. triumphant feel to the music. Mm-hmm. And then when they are, um, when they get out of their handcuffs and uh, oh, they, they collars stand the and stand between the guards and the bad guys. Other than that, the score is nonstop on the edge. Something bad is going to happen. Oh yeah, it's ominous tone, and it's throughout. hard. It's hard to make people deal with that through an entire movie. Although it was amazing and I loved it. A whole movie of that is a little rough because you're always waiting for the next thing. So when a scene does slow down to let you see something, the music is telling you, we're not going to be slow for very long. Wait for it. Wait for it. And that whole time you're on the edge of your seat waiting for it to flip. Yeah. You know, so that makes the pacing feel really weird in some scenes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and this was two movies combined into one. Uh, I heard that. Yeah. yeah, and then on top of that, there were reshoots redone all over the place to change the narrative of what was going on, and it, you can you you can feel it. You really can feel it. Um, funny story that came out of this film, uh, not to step on your toes, but it lost to the Secret Life of Pets <laughs> yeah, and Avengers Endgame, which was in its fourth week at this point. Yeah. So, first off, Dumb idea putting it so close to Avengers. People were heroed out for a bit. But uh, during so during a critics uh, screening, this is when they just have a bunch of critics in the theater to watch it and kind of give them reviews. A fire alarm went off and everything was fine. But a few sites reported that some of the critics didn't even stick around to finish it and go back in and finish the movie. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Ouch. We'll make the review from what we saw. That's so that, that's the kind of level of uh, enticement the movie has. Yeah. Granted, I'll admit when like what within what fifteen minutes we sidelined Quicksilver, and I was like, "Well, that uh, makes the movie way less entertaining." And maybe it's because I have a, a a weird love for Evan Peters, but the Quicksilver character, he's just so interesting. His powers yeah. are interesting to look at because when you take him out of the group, all of our characters are just punchy people or laser people. Yeah. Like you can call it lightning all you want, but all Storm is doing it's, is shooting lightning bolts, yeah, and Cyclops is shooting thunder, <clears throat> I, I bullets. <laughs> yeah, and then Beast is punching stuff, and Nightcrawler is pretty much just punching stuff. So we don't get like a cool visual, different weird things, and the time slowing would have been fun to see. Uh, but yeah. And then, like, you know, the and- villains, I mean, boy, oh boy, is. Magneto scraping the bottom of the barrel. I, as big of a comic book nerd as I am, I could not tell you. I think it's supposed to be Scourge. I could not tell you who the guy with the ponytail is supposed to be. I don't recall this character. Oh, I think he's a marauder, but I, I cannot, I do not know this character. I know the other one is Celine, who in, who it's weird that they chose Celine for this because Celine is also supposed to look just like Jean Grey because she was a clone of Jean Grey at one point and there was a different Celine. And she has psychic powers. She's called Goblin Queen sometimes. But, like, just, like, choosing just to make a Celine that isn't Celine, I'm like, why would you even include her? It doesn't even make sense, but whatever. Yeah, you know, the the thing that bothered me, and maybe you can explain this because I am, I'm not a comic book uh, aficionado. I, uh, I like comic book movies, and I read some comic books, just not Marvel comic books. Um, so Quicksilver, 
it doesn't seem like his momentum has been a problem before. So like, so uh, the way we, the way we decide to keep him out of the movie is when he's jumping from piece of debris to piece of debris to get to Jean, she swipes a piece away and it messes up his footing and he hits the ground and tumbles at super speed, you know, Mm. which beats the living heck out of him. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's been a problem before because he runs to a person. He stops, still in super speed, walks around them, grabs them to where they don't get whiplash, and then zaps them out of a mansion at, in one movie. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're just thinking back to Apocalypse, Apocalypse is able to move at the same speed as him and jams that bar through his leg. If he was moving at super speeds he would have the momentum would have caused him just to rip through that bar and probably yeah. just ripped his leg off. But instead it just plants him in spot. Um, yeah, it does seem like he generally is able to stop himself or protect whatever is within his momentum bubble, maybe because he was in the air and the momentum yeah, was targeted towards the air. He launched himself. Maybe that's the excuse, but even then he throws a lot of kids out of the mansion during, uh, what was that I think one? it was Apocalypse. Yeah, it was yeah, Apocalypse. It was apocalypse. Yeah, he, thro- yeah. he throws the kids out, and they launch at speeds that don't kill them, which the movement he's doing, that that mo- that amount of velocity being thrown should kill you. So yeah. granted, we're putting we're, – we're looking at a sci-fi, and we're putting yeah, logic to it, which is – you can't do that. But It's true. And see, the problem is this movie, I found a lot of situations where their power – it's it's one of those situations. What are their powers? We yeah. we know oh, what yeah. they what are. are. Their powers, yeah. but it's like at one point, you know. So for for an entire movie, it doesn't seem like Quicksilver's momentum is a problem. And now in this one, because we want him out at the beginning, it's a problem. It's immediate. And it's like, yeah, how what does, the hell? How does the how does the morphing shape changing work with Mystique? How can she die to like physical stabbing damage? Yeah, doesn't you know, it feel like she can like heal faster or morph around it or something? I don't know. It just feels like it's a weird know. way to kill her off. Yeah, I there could have been so many better ways for that to have happened. Yeah, you know, she could have Thanos snapped her right out of existence. Yeah, would have like, been happier. I, I would have been fine with yeah that if she would have like angrily had a shock know, wave or something come off her and it yeah and just yeah. it blew her up or or scrambled her mind where she was completely brain dead or whatever, but. Yeah, I will say uh, I have a I have a dumb gripe about the beginning of the film. Okay, uh, they're in the car and it's like 1975, right? And uh-huh. the little girl's like, "I want to listen to something different on the radio." And the mom's like, "Nah, you can play the radio when you're older." And she turns the radio station with her mind, and uh, "Werewolves of London" by Warren Zevon starts playing. Uh huh. Wasn't released until 1978. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> By the way, I was like, that is not appropriate for the time period. Yeah. Uh, well, and that song wasn't a hit when it came out. So, yeah. I like that song, but, uh, but you are correct on both. No, it's a solid song. Warren Zevon's yeah. a great artist, but yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, I'll, I'll end up with a compliment pen metaphor. Solid. Yeah. What you choose to do with a pen is your own thing. Could be a weapon, or could be make art. You know, I was like, "Oh, this is a great metaphor for powers." It is a lot. Uh, so, little Jean Grey forgot the number one rule of road trips by our buddies, the Winchesters. 
Driver picks the music. Passenger shuts his cake hole. Yeah, the uh, the dad's a fucking jerk in here anyway. It's a piece man. of garbage. Just an asshole in general. Like he's like there. She's a lost cause. And I'm like, this is the first occurrence, right? It's not like she's killed two other people prior to this. Granted, I understand you're upset that you lost your wife, but like it was one occurrence and then maybe never again, you know, but uh, no, he's like, oh, she's a lost cause. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You're making an awful, like harsh decision out of one thing, but whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sack of garbage. How does Nightcrawler survive space with just a helmet on? Um. I couldn't tell you because he needs a helmet on. However, his hands are completely and feet. His yeah, feet are also open. and his tail. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, that, just a bunch of appendages hanging out there. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the same spot as me. All right. Yeah. I got no. I got nothing for you because I thought about that too. I'm like, why does he fucking need a helmet if he if his hands and his feet are hanging out? It's not like the suit's air air uh, tight. For God's sake. I do wish we would have got a little more of a reaction from uh, Xavier when uh, Mystique dies because he kind of like looks sad, but that's all we get from it where Beast like has a real reaction. But that's freaking McAvoy's Professor X. That's his sister. You know, they've known each other since they were like eight years old. And I was like, this seems and they're in their 50s. So (laughs) (laughs) look good. But yeah, they're in their 50s. Yeah. So I was like, boy, he really isn't reacting much to this. He's like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, and then he goes, he's even like kind of trying to cheer Beast up later. Like, yeah, this is where I met her in the kitchen. And Beast straight up was like, yeah, it's your fault. And I'm like, yeah, Beast is right. I mean, he is. And how uncomfortable is it when Charles starts gaslighting him? Yeah. Into feeling bad that he's calling him out when he just put his, you know, his stepsister in the ground. Yeah. Well, and, and then it's like, like, he's asking him, he's just saying, just admit that you're wrong. And I was like, God damn it. Xavier is a monster. He is a, he actively makes children soldiers, Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and like he constantly is pushing them beyond their, their limits. And he's all in the excuse of, I knew you could do it. Yeah. It's like B straight up goes, I don't think this jet should go into space. He's like, oh, it'll go into space. The president's calling. We don't want to look bad in front of the president, do we? Hank's like, okay, I guess so. Uh, yeah. And I I, th- I feel like this movie has uh, Raven, we'll call her Raven instead of Mystique, straight up just like calling him out on all his bullshit. And then when she finally dies, here comes Hank to call him out on his bullshit. And just like in the comics, Scott he is so brainwashed because he's got such affection for Charles that he's like, no, Charles is right. And Scott is really honestly one of the ones with a lot on the line right here. Cause this is the woman he loves that they're going after. And he's still just listening to Charles Xavier, who does, is not a great person. Does like, not have a good the track cause of almost all of this. No. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, when that little kid's like, did Gene kill Raven? And Cyclops steps forward. I thought he was going to fucking blast them through like the wall, man. He's like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, he's mad. And then he's like, nah. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was, uh, this movie does a great job at kind of showing Xavier as kind of a villain and, he, and showing Magneto as kind of a good guy to kind of fuck with the whole idea of who, what we, what we see these characters as. So I thought that was really, that was actually well done. Very. Uh, How'd you like that Dazzler cameo? 
<laughs> I didn't even know who it was until I uh, until I had to look it up. <laughs> That's Dazzler, the '80s favorite roller skating disco mutant Dazzler. <laughs> Those are nonsense words. <laughs> <laughs> if she was blue, she'd fit in, wouldn't she? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking blue people in this movie. Yeah, well. I had to kill one of them off. There were so many blue people in this movie. Yeah. I thought like Nightcrawler. Three blue individuals was a, is a lot. Wasn't Nightcrawler somebody's son who was also blue? Supposed uh, to be. Well, so in the comics, Nightcrawler is the son of Mystique and Azria, that's, uh, Azazel. That's Azazel, yeah, the, the devil-looking dude red. from the last yeah. one. Yeah, he's in. Well, he's in the first. That's, he's in first yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, he's dead in the second one. Yeah. But yeah, that's supposed to be his father. They don't really ever hint at that being a thing ever again. Other than they have but, the same um, powers. But he is blue and has the same powers and the three digits and the tail like Azazel. So it's like kind of hinting at it at the same time. Uh, and of course, Beast is blue because he used Mystique's DNA. So they kind of get away with that, but. Yeah, three three different characters that the are non-human characters are all blue, and it's kind of funny to me. It's like I understand that there's not a lot of other non-human characters in the X-Men that can be a lot of different colors, but like blue, blue, blue. It's like, come on, let's mix it up a little bit. <laughs> uh I did find yellow. it weird that they and I understand that this is supposed to be a young version of Alan Cummings. Um uh, Nightcrawler from X-Men 2, right? Well, he has the scars all over him. Yeah. But that Nightcrawler was a grown adult man who had been carving those scars into him for years as penis for feeling like he was a demon. So, you know, he was doing that whole, you know, you got to hurt yourself for religion bullshit. And his idea of penance was, well, I'll just carve these, uh, these runes into myself. So he still has them, but this version of Nightcrawler is only like, 16 or 17 so we to assume that he carved all those into him prior to being 15 years old that's wild and really fucking scary yeah i'm not sure how you'd explain that one away all right so i mean the aging doesn't work very well in the movies in general i guess you could say that he aged slower but that doesn't also make sense so i got nothing yeah did you like the uh the Jean Grey school at the end, or like, oh, it's the Jean Grey school. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, Raven. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. I was like, I was I like ouch. You died on a mission, but fuck you. Yeah, you actually died on a mission. Yeah. And you were here since the beginning. Instead you of turning into a space bird fart. Yeah. You were part of the first class, yet it's going to get named after this girl uh-huh. who killed you. <laughs> by the way yeah uh and everything about this is her is kind of well it's all charles fault yeah because charles even yeah, was like jane can hold that ship together and i'm like why did jane need to hold the fucking ship together no that, that, i don't know there's a I solar flare coming out it's not that it's falling apart i i guess nightcrawler was scared to go back in i i don't know uh, and why does it take nightcrawler so goddamn long to get one guy when he like zapped a bunch of people out of there in no time well he had quicksilver with him the first time and for some reason, they decided not to put Quicksilver in there with them, which makes no fucking sense. I guess they only had one extra space helmet. Fucking convenient. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the movie is full of a lot of bits where you're like, well, that wouldn't, like, specifically, 
Professor X goes, Kurt, I need you to teleport us to this place and then leave. <laughs> but then he is the most integral part of the fight. Yeah. He is teleporting everyone where they need to be to further the mission. And I'm like, what were you going to do if he actually went home? Like you were told him to. <laughs> yeah, right? You'd have been like, oh, shit, how do I get over there? I'm in a wheelchair, so I can't get over cars. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're getting their asses kicked and then cut to the mansion where Kurt's, like, eating ice cream straight out of yeah, the cart. Yeah, Kurt's just sitting there like, <laughs> I hope they get home soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, like that storm is like an omni level, super powerful mutant at this point because Apocalypse juiced her up. Yet she almost lost to some dude who just fucking has long dreads. And I'm like, come on. Akiri. Akiri is the guy's name. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. A very obscure, dumb character that no one gives a fuck about. Yeah. But, uh, there. So, okay. Going from the top of the cast, Nicholas Holt is a decent actor. He's fine in this, just fine. I, I give or take, I don't care. Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress. She is not trying in this. She could tell she know, she knows she's only in the movie for 20 minutes, and she's like probably on set for shooting for two days and was like, I just want out of here and, and to go home. Uh, Evan Peters, I feel like it's the same thing. Even though he, we only get like two lines from him, they're both okay. But you can tell he's like, I just want to go home get this over with. Uh, Cody Smith-McPhee does what he can. These guys got to act. He's got to act through like a ton of facial stuff and an accent. So he can only do so much. Um, Storm actually does fairly well. I actually like her character in this. Whenever she's told not to help, she's like, no, fuck you, man. I'm going to fucking help. And I'm like, oh, okay. I like this storm. And she kind of fights Cyclops as far as who the leader is. And I'm like, that's the storm that because there's always been the argument that Cyclops is only the leader of the X-Men because he's a suck up to Charles storm should be the leader. Yeah. That's always been the argument. And when they launched X-Men gold, which is a second X-Men team, X-Men blue and X-Men gold gold was led by storm and blue was led by Cyclops. So even the comic writers have always admitted that storm is probably the most useful person. She is a good leader She's smart. She's a, uh, got a good mind on her for like battle. Uh, the only thing about her is she a lot of terrain during a funeral, which was pretty shitty on her part, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and she can control weather and space somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing that happens. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, uh, so there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. There is one moment of quick silver, quick silver that I think they should have cut uh, because I think it, it tarnishes the character and it's when he's, uh, when they come back from, uh, saving the astronauts and he's mm. talking to the kids in the school and he's showboating and he's, yeah, talking, you know, he's, he's always, lying about what's going on. He's always been sort of an ass, like kind of a, a arrogant asshole, but he's not like a, he backs it up. Yeah. You know, cause he's like, he's well, never yeah. had to lie before. And in the last well, movie, he good- saved everyone. And deep down, he's a really good person. He's yeah. He say he saved everyone twice. Yeah, because he saved everyone in the first one. They were gonna be killed by all those guards at the White House. He saved them, and then he saved the entire school. And it's like he's a good person. And even after doing that, he didn't brag about it. Exactly. But yeah, having him, I get that it was a kind of a funny joke, but it wasn't in character. It didn't make yeah, sense in character. It felt weird. I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it having him brag like, yeah, I did it all. And granted, he's not entirely wrong, 
<laughs> because he mm. really it, between him and Kurt, they really did most of everything. They really Gene did, did yeah. do a little bit, yeah. but I also liked that he goes, yeah, Gene did a little, but they don't bring up the fact that Nightcrawler also did a ton of fucking work here. Oh yeah, arguably the most. <laughs> well, yeah. Who else is going to get him from one ship to the other? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure they could run through space because it doesn't affect them when they're wearing their onesies. Of course. Um. Let's talk about Sansa Stark a little bit. Oh, Sophie, whatever. Sophie Turner is her name? I believe so, yes. Uh, I don't think she did a terrible job in this movie, but boy, oh boy, does she slip out of her accent sometimes, which <laughs> happens yeah. with both of our leads as well, but not as often as it does with her. She's like, I'm an American. I need to go home. And it's like, um, excuse me? What was yeah. that last word you just said there? Yeah, I can imagine uh, that's that's probably relatively tough to keep going. Sure, and she's general. young. I get it, but like, because McAvoy slips into his uh, uh, his what Scottish? Scottish. Yeah, he, he in the intro, he does bit. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he slips into it a bit here and there, and then uh, old Fassbender, he kind of he he's gets to talk and sort of. What's close to his natural voice, I guess, just laying yeah, off the accent. I don't think a bit. it's too far. But there is like a bit of like uh street to his natural voice that he hides for movies and stuff. And you can tell whenever he's like being an angry person where it kind of slips. Yeah. That being said, I am not dissing their performances because no. those two put in work. Yeah, and not only that, but you know, Taking the street out of Fast Bender's accent is actually you can tell it's him basing his Magneto off of Ian Sir Ian McKellen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and it's yeah. it is phenomenal because the German character that he created as a cover from the first X Men First Class movie, he is brilliant with that that accent that German he's speaking in German and everything. He's that character he created, which is like this German swanky millionaire to kind of get in and find those Nazis. He did a great job. Oh, yeah. So Fassbender's a great actor. Uh, we get to see how good of an actor he is whenever we get to see his reaction to Raven. This is a person he loves dearly. We get to see his reaction to her death, and it's done only in a close-up of his face. And absolutely, he goes through every emotion, and you're like, God damn it, he's good. Yeah. God damn, he's good. And uh, these movies, they're not he, – he's too good for them. I mean, he, I think McAvoy's too good for them. No offense to the rest of the crew, but they kind of wear – like, I like Ty Sheridan. I think he's an okay actor. But Cyclops seems right for him. You know, that seems like a good role for him. Uh, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, I actually like it. I like Cody Smith-McPhee as Nightcrawler even. I yeah, None I of like, this casting like- is bad, except – and I don't – I can't explain this one. This is confuses me more than anything. Jessica Chastain is a great actress. I, yes. I've seen her in movies where I'm like, damn it, she's so good. She is so fucking boring. Just visually, when she talks, everything about it. And I'm like, what is going on? This is not the Jessica Chastain that like has wowed me in so many roles. Whatever is happening here, she is phoning it in worse than like a Bruce Willis performance. And now a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way. I, I I was very bored with her as the the bad as the villain. You know, she's not even scary with her threats. No, not really. I mean, yes, I'm going to kill all of you. We. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's like you'd kill all of us, and she goes yes, and it's like she's never menacing. Like, no. I don't know. The, the only I will say the only time she is menacing uh, is and I this is the one time when I actually saw her as the villain and it's when she's interrogating the father and she says you know it's a pity your language See, I, is I so like easier was, so much easier to understand when you're not screaming it's just felt like she was reading off of something and then she kills the motherfucker immediately so it's like it's why even say that threat if you're gonna kill him yeah the, the him, only reason I I feel like that does like that is the top moment for me for her being a villain besides the bar being set very low is yeah. that you, it, it does feel I, somehow in the scene, mm-hmm. she is very wooden, but it feels like she just pities him for being yeah. as well, lowly as he is. I do get the, like there's definitely an air of, uh, Oh, now nah, what's the word I'm looking for? She, there, an eliteness to her. Uh, yeah, so I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Superiority. Uh, here's a question for you, Jesse. Can you please explain why she interrogated the father? To find out where he sent Jean when she was little, because that's very pertinent that, information. We have to have that. But she knows. She saw her. He, she saw her in space. Don't you come at me with your facts. So why <laughs> did she go to the dad? There is no no reason for her to talk to that dad. Single one in the world. Not a reason. It makes no sense why she went to that dad. No. Well, so um, she never actually, when she kills Raven, since we're poking holes in things, when she kills Raven, she doesn't actually touch Raven. No. So whose blood is it that's on her? I don't know. And it's not there when she first shows up, by the way. No. It's like, whose blood is it? It's like, I. Honestly, don't fucking know. Uh, Mine, I think. I think it might be barbecue sauce. I don't fucking know. I don't know, man. (laughs) I didn't get close to anybody. I was using mind powers. And no one fucking squirted blood out. And then when she's like trying to wipe it off in the in the rainy alley scene, I'm like, where the fuck did that much blood come from? You didn't have that on you earlier. Fucking ate a homeless person or something. I don't know. And like, why she like? uh, I don't know. I. Her character development, I get that her mind isn't all there, but like a couple of her actions are just really bizarre to me. <laughs> and like a little. Did you like that Cyclops was almost completely useless? Like he was supposed to like I really felt like we were gonna get this emotional connection where he's like, You said you'd always come back to me and it would actually work, but it like only stops her for like ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is like she's She's wanting to end the relationship and just looking for a way out. <laughs> yeah. Well, she gets drunk in those woods, though, man. Yeah, she does. And then Frick sees a couple people. Yeah. No, I don't think I got Storm is making either. ice for people. And I'm just like, this is where Iceman would come into play here, but I guess we don't have him in this universe. So, right. And how, how trivial, how, how much of a trivialization is it? For someone to say, hey, man, you can control all the Earth's uh, weather. You can, uh, ice. can you make me some ice in that glass? <laughs> like, So here's my thing. Go fuck yourself, she has, to, she has to freeze, like, the air 
the water that's in the air to make that. So it's like really dirty ice, by the way. Oh yeah, pollution. <laughs> yeah, it's like gross ice. Don't use like don't eat snow. It's bad for you. You ever boil snow down and look at all the shit that's in it? It's gross. Yeah. Like and uh, I don't know. And there's, I, I feel like maybe mutants like using their powers, like to show off. Because look at Dazzler; she's like, I'm gonna make a light show in the woods. Well, her name's Dazzler. That's true. <laughs> um, this is true. Her name is Dazzler. So, speaking of mutants and their powers, if you're Magneto, uh huh, what is with the showboating, my friend? Why do you need to pull a whole goddamn ass train up out of the subway when you have a street full of vehicles to pick from? Jesse, <laughs> I want to tell you something about Magneto. Yeah? <laughs> he is a peacock, okay? <laughs> yeah, ruffle the feathers. He's, he's got to put them feathers out. And he's not going to just show up into a fucking hotel room and be like, Hey, you killed one of my best friends. I'm going to kill you. No, he's got to come big. He's got to come strong. So what does he do? He fucking pulls a train out of the ground and is like, yeah, here we go. Do you not remember what he did in the previous film where he just pulled all of the metal out of earth and all the ships from the ocean and threw them at shit. He (laughs) loves showing off. Like, yeah, I mean, his outfit alone is proof of that. You would think, a man who can manipulate metal might make himself a suit of armor. But instead, he wears cloth and a big-ass cape because he's like, this is showing off. Yeah. This Professor is, Xavier, this is as arrogant as he is, is just a dude in a suit in a wheelchair. He's not showing off. Mm. But oh, no. Oh, Eric, he likes showing off. Yeah, he does. I mean, shit, even when he goes to meet Jean Grey outside – he picks himself up by his boots because he has to, there has to be metal in his boots and he floats himself out to her. He could have just walked out of his house the, the 10 feet she was away. He didn't have to be like, oh, and come <laughs> out like that. He's a peacock, man. He's he, uh, a peacock's got a, a peacock's got a, got, got a, a peacock. ruffle its feathers. I can't remember what Mark Wahlberg says in uh, the other guys. <laughs> um, another thing uh, with that scene. What, this is a this isn't a positive, and it is that when the uh, subway car comes in through the door behind him slowly, that is from what I can tell a practical effect because oh, some yeah, of yeah. the debris actually hits Fassbender on the back of the leg, yeah, and he does he just rolls with it, and it's like that looks good. I like that. Well, Fassbender's a professional; he's not going to let a little bit little thing like rubble affect him. Yeah. Not not his stride, that's for sure. I get why he wanted to block the entrance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get and that. Himself, I just don't know why we had to use I guess the whole give train. himself like <laughs> some weapons, yeah. but then he doesn't use them. He just uses like the brass topper of the stairwell. Yeah, that and barely can do that. Um, one uh, one scene that I loved that really stood out for me, and I actually had to rewatch the scene. You know, because I, I I like the videography of it. I like the cinematography and the the way scenes are cut together. Um, whenever Magneto pulls his trunk, he goes full John Wick and pulls the trunk out with his helmet in it. Mm-hmm. And then he puts the helmet on and we immediately cut to professor X with Cerebro on taking the helmet off. Yeah. And really he takes scene. it off and says that it's time. But if you read into it, it means that he was reading. Oh, he was always Magneto's mind. mind. And then as soon as he realized he couldn't read it anymore, he knew that he was going to have to fight. 
Well, because well, at one point he goes, "How do you know? Can you read our mind?" He goes, "No, it was Eric." So he's reading his mind. I feel that personally, he probably checks in on him a lot. Oh yeah, because that is his best friend, you know. And like, I can see him going, "I want to check in on my friend, see how he's doing." And I think he, I think he probably misses him because there's not a lot of people that can share that history. Now that Raven's dead, he's got nobody because everyone else fucking hates him. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. But I I do agree. That's a really good scene to kind of show. I mean, when he takes that helmet off, it's that moment of, uh Oh, he means business. Uh, Magneto changed his story uh, real fast though. Didn't he? He's all to Jean gray. Like, Oh, vengeance. I gave up on vengeance because vengeance didn't get me anywhere. And then when he finds out Raven's day, he's like, I'm a jeweler. (laughs) I want to say a little something about vengeance and, 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 uh, Magneto movie one. This is Magneto has vengeance on the Nazis who killed his mother right uh-huh. in front of him and enslaved him. Vengeance worked. He killed the person who killed his mother. Uh, that, uh, he killed all those Nazis too, which that's a win, right? For everybody, right? <laughs> like he wasn't killing I mean, bad people. He wasn't killing good people. He was killing Nazis. I was like, good Nazis. I mean, rock on, man. Yeah, let him kill more, man. Let him find them all. Second movie. He decides to fucking get out of there, get away, retire, right? And he goes to that little shed in the woods and has a wife and a kid. And then because of who he is, it catches up with him. They get fucking killed. And then what does he do? He fucking slaughters every one of them with that pin. His daughter's locket. Which, by the way... I will admit that Apocalypse is not a great film, but God damn it, is that a good scene? That's a good scene. When he just draws that locket through everyone's head and brings it back to him because he's just so fucking mad. Again, Vengeance didn't bring his wife and daughter back, but what it did do is killed all those fucking ignorant fucks who killed his family. Who were probably Nazis. So, Secretly well, Nazis. Well, sure. Let's call them <laughs> And then uh, we skip forward to now, you know, and he's like, yeah, it didn't do any good for me. Oh, you killed my best friend. I am going to do vengeance. It's like, yeah, we kind of knew you weren't, you're not far from it yeah. at any point. He really only has one more it's, connection on this earth, and that's Charles. He is one wrong name on written on his Starbucks cup away from killing an entire restaurant oh, yeah. full of people. <laughs> yeah, uh, Magneto is the most dangerous Karen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's always ready to speak to the manager. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, hey, play sound two. <laughs> sound two. Uh when it comes people get hurt. That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I I you know we've been we've been so engaged in conversation. I forgot I had sounds. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that sound I just was like, eh, when it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about the MCU being who uh, uh, captured the mutants? What the mutant control u- unit? Yeah, mutant control unit. That's what it stands for. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. The other thing. <laughs> Marvel Cinematic. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not. A, definitely not. Clearly, Disney taking the X Men away. Yeah. Uh, Mine. <laughs> I will say this: I liked the train scene for multiple reasons and the guard saying my my kid used to be a fan of you and then him being like your kid was right like you know let us help i go this is really good this is a good arc this little story here with this guard and then the guard letting them all free i'm like oh okay but then the fucking guard dies anyway and i was like 
man, I don't, I don't need to have a happy ending, but I really don't like that. They killed that guard off. Although it did give us berserker rage nightcrawler. So I don't know if I, 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 I love berserker rage nightcrawler. He just grabs some sharp pieces of metal and starts fucking up those aliens, which I guess Nightcrawler's super strong because bullets weren't affecting them, but he was able to stab them. So I don't know. I don't get how these aliens work because some bullets hurt them and some don't. (laughs) Well, that's a good, like is, can any of the mutants do that weird little twisty thing? Or is that only her? She's the only one who does it. The rest of them resort to fist fighting. And they can rip metal. They like yeah. tear metal. If you could do, if you could do a one shot kill purple nurple, why would you not be doing that every time? Yeah. Well, like so, I get that the helicopter has a higher caliber, and I get that that weird uh, ass. For so, by the way, I don't know what purpose a chain gun that points <laughs> at the back of a train, but it's in the front of the back train would ever have other than this one circumstance, but it is what they had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, like a big old 50 that, cal. It looked like, yeah, yeah, I get that that's higher caliber. So I guess it's just a certain caliber can hurt them, but like all the smaller arms, we'll call it was just bouncing off the aliens. Like nothing. Yeah. I guess it's, you know, little bullets are little inconveniences and big bullets are big inconveniences, shoot, but I shoot little bullets are smaller. They go through your bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I was, this movie is, this movie feels like there's too much and not enough going on at the same time. <laughs> he needs more blankets and less blankets. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't get it. Like Jean Grey has control over the Phoenix force at the end. And then she's like, you can't control it. You kill me. You'll kill them. I'm like, why, why, How, why, why right? can't she kill you? I think she can kill you. She just moved the train for I mean, Christ's sake. Yeah, maybe maybe she it was an explosion of power when she kills her, but I don't understand why that would be yeah. the case. She can't absorb that power back in. I don't know. It just seemed like it seemed like a bullshit line of like uh, we, we need this character to be shot off Earth because again, the ending of the movie originally was in space, yeah. so we needed her not to be on Earth. So. What about those two lines? Your emotions make you weak. My emotions make me strong. It's that is the X-Men equivalent of, I know you are, but what am I? That's just well, cheap. Well, it's just been used all over the place, and it's been used better. Your friends make you weak. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's the fucking Darth Vader says that to fucking Luke, and he's like, nah, bro, my friends are the reason I do the things I do. And you're like, yeah. yeah. Connections is what it is. Like, even Hellboy, whenever he turns into the, when he turns into Unsabonary, he's like, remember who you are. You know, like, even though the one guy just said, oh, this religion makes you weak, but that's what makes him strong. It's like, that's, it's the most stereotypical, like, uh, when, when you're, when your protagonist slash antagonist is the same character and they're so powerful that no one can stop them, but themselves, they have to have that internal struggle bit. And it's always lazy just to be like feelings, friends. That's the, that's what makes it different. And it's just like, I don't know. There's just part of it. That's just like, eh, all right, I guess. But like, it's just done better other places. When, when ego tells, uh, star Lord, if you kill me, you'll just be like everyone else. And he says, what's wrong with that? Just done better. It's just done better. And it's like, this one is just done so poorly that it's like, 
oh, friendship is magic. And, you know, she's like, the real Phoenix is the friends we made along the way. And then she fucking shoots <laughs> off into space. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening here? I've seen it was not as much fun as I thought it would be. No, it was not nearly the amount of fun that I thought it would be, Kurt. Uh, just yeah, so many bits in this film. And I wanted to like it because I like the story of Phoenix. And I really like these X-Men. I like McAvoy a lot. And I like Fassbender a lot. So, like, there's part of me that is excusing things as it happens. Well, you know, well, you know, well, you know. And then there's the logical part of me that's like, no, man, it still fucking sucks. It's just not good. Can't you see that? And I'm like, okay, you're right. So I guess that leads us to the big question. Should it bomb? One, two, three, four. When it comes, people get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, people do get hurt. And yeah, it, it deserved to. Yeah, man. Not even Gene Gray could hold this ship together. It was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it, it very clearly was a rushed job yeah. that was clear. Okay. So Fox had these plans of setting up two films to give us this Phoenix saga and give us this grand send off to these characters before they relaunched the X-Men and then Disney bought them. So they said, Oh shit, we only got like two years and we're done. So let's jam those movies together. Oh, people didn't like it. Fuck it. Reshoots and change the complete fucking ending of it. And then what we got is what happens when you do that. This movie is a perfect example of why, when you hear there's extensive reshoots, you rarely get a good product. I can't think of a good product that came out of extensive reshoots. And also when two movies get turned into one, this is what happens. That's rough. Yeah. It's you, you get, you get a lot of cross wires and this movie is just full of them. I just, and I just didn't care. Like, like, no, I didn't care about anybody. If you went into this movie and you've never seen an X-Men movie before, all you know about Raven is she second guesses the leader constantly. And she's sort of mean. Yeah. And so when she dies, I'm like, good riddance. <laughs> like, I, I don't care that you died. You were kind of a jerk. And like the relationship that is built between Raven and Charles and Raven and uh, Eric, and then Eric and Charles, that triangle is so well done in the previous films. And this movie barely explores it because she's not in it. And they kind of replace her with beast. And I get that he's there through everything, but he was never part of that triad. He was never, he was almost part of it, but he was never quite there. And the movie really does show that, that this beast character is sort of written to be like a pastiche. Like he's just there to go, all right, I made the spaceships. I made the super suits. I know the uh, technology behind the mutants. I made a vaccine that makes you not a mutant. I made a vaccine that makes me not a mutant. He's cute. He's just there to give us MacGuffins. His yeah. his superpower might as well be I can form MacGuffins out of thin air. Yeah, he's Q branch from James Bond. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's fucking Q. <laughs> and like, it's just, I just, God damn it, I was bored. And I... It makes me all the more excited. I'm glad we did this because it makes me all the more excited to see 
And I know that I sound like a Marvel fanboy who's like, please, Daddy Disney, give give me give it to me, give it to me. But like they haven't really done a bad job with anything yet. Even the the worst thing they've done is still better than a lot of other shit. So I'm really excited to see what they do with the with the mutants. I'll give them a shot. Why not? Do you have anybody in mind for any mutants? Have you seen any actors that you're like, I hope this guy plays that guy? Oh, uh, no. I I have ever since, um, let's see, I think, what was it? I think it was Apocalypse. I watched Apocalypse. Um, and then I kind of started falling out of love with the, the X-Men as far as movies sense. were concerned. Well, the next two, New Mutants and Dark Phoenix, weren't going to help you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, uh, I just wasn't excited for them, you know. Yeah, how do you, uh, how do you make Pedro Pascal, or not, uh, how do you make Oscar Isaac boring? Right. They managed to do it. Yeah. Because he's Apocalypse, and yeah. he is fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was not a fan. He's played Egyptian uh, people twice now. What is his nationality? I, I think he's from Guatemala. I'm pretty sure he's Guatemalan. Uh, yeah, Guatemalan. <laughs> so he's not Egyptian at all. <laughs> no, no. But The Rock isn't either, so I guess. This is true. <laughs> the Rock plays Egyptian characters all the time. Bring me sure. Rami Malek, you bastards. <laughs> Give me the cast of 1999's The Mummy. Yes. <laughs> M- must we do this again? Rami Malek is about the only uh, the only person I've seen in a prominent Egyptian role that actually earned it. <laughs> Arnold Vosloo should be Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Oh, was or, he is. Or, is he? Uh, yeah, the, yes. They okay. are actually descended from Egyptians. Okay, cool. <laughs> we talked about this before because we were shocked. Yeah, because yeah, um, the mummy was racially, it was actually pretty dead on. Yeah, right, right. Other than Benny. But Benny was vague on who he, what he was anyway. Yeah, so. Benny was. Uh, yeah, he's he. it doesn't yeah. show what he is. Yeah. <sighs> What is you know, Arnold of these... up to nowadays? I wonder. He was in the G.I. Joe movies. He played, um, oh, the Master of Disguise guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, he was uncredited in the TV show Profession- The Professionals with Brendan Fraser. Oh. That's a good show, by friends. the way. They are friends. They are friends. Oh, he almost has to be. Yeah. Huh. Like they, they've, they've really maintained a good friendship over the years and with Oded Fur, too. Well, Silver Fox now dead. Let his hair go white. Looks great. Really? Yeah. A lot of these. A lot of these podcasts end with us talking about how much we love 1999's The Mummy. <laughs> it's very well, weird. I mean, <laughs> how do you spell his last name? F E H R. O D E D is his Got first it. name. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Looking good, it was good buddy. With white hair. Yeah, Silver Fox. Okay. Uh, still, you know. Like I, I've seen people that I, I see in certain roles. Like I will admit that when uh, Jeffrey Wright first starts showing up and stuff, I go, Oh my God, there's my beast right there. Jeffrey Wright. Oh, but yeah. he's already the watcher in the Marvel universe. So probably not going to get him as beast, which is, uh, is sad, but man, he would be a great beast. Yeah. You just got to have that voice, you know, the whole thing relies on like, having a voice that is intellectual and tough at the same time, not exactly easy. Yeah. What, uh, let's see. Oh, what's the, uh, what's the name of the actor who's in like, um, uh, nope. For instance, the, 
The lead. The main guy? Yeah. What's his Daniel? Uh, well, he can't something. be in the Marvel Universe again because he was already oh, in Black Panther 1. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Damn it. Yeah, he's Okoye's husband. That's right. Uh, Daniel Ayula? Yeah, that's it. So, that's it. Yeah. I may be saying that last name wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, Kiki Palmer, though, the girl from Nope, yeah. she wants to be rogue real bad. And I'm all okay. for it. Yeah, I I don't know who you uh, who you throw in because so many people are in freaking Marvel. I have movies. a <laughs> I have a Magneto option. So this is my Magneto option if they want to make him uh, Wanda's father, secretly Wanda's father. Okay, Vigo Mortensen. Ooh, that's because good. he plays Eastern European all the time, and he's the right age. He just would be so good. Yeah, because uh, they talk about changing the nationality of those characters from being Jewish to being like, uh, Oh, I can't remember the name, but I hate saying it like this. Cause I'm sorry, but like the gypsies that went through their own Roma. sort of Holocaust or, you know, the, the Romani people who were displaced and, and killed off really badly. So they're talking about like changing it to that time period. till it matches up a little closer with uh, today. And I was like, man, He'd be good, and you'd, you'd keep the Romani uh, aspect alive, which is what's inside of Wanda. That's the accent that she sometimes uses. Yeah. Does uh, see, um, Aaron McGregor has not been in any Marvel movies lately. Aaron McGregor. Yeah. Uh, he's just Obi Wan. That's fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> I still every time every day when the girls come home from school, they open yeah. the door. And they're like, they bust in like the freaking Kool-Aid man. I'm like, well, hello there. <laughs> General Kenobi. Well, hello there. Are <laughs> uh, you saying him for Professor Xavier? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he, he does look good bald. I've seen him bald many times. He's in train spotting bald, and he looks good in that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. As somebody who wouldn't look super weird being bald. Yeah, they talk about like uh, changing him to black because there's some uh, eras where that fits really well, and I'm like, okay, sure. And there's a lot of different actors that fit into there. Where could we put? I'm just going through actors I like at this point. Oh well, yeah, I do that too because I'm like, where, when, when, and where are we getting Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah, in the Marvel universe, one hundred percent. Also, uh, uh, just now, um, I went to I went to see um, Lyle Lyle Crocodile with uh, the youngest. Uh, mm-hmm. Javier Bardem. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. I, I'm rewatching the Bond movies, and I just watched uh, Skyfall. Oh yeah, he's good in that. I mean, he. I, I will admit that he's clearly kind of like I'm going to do my own version of Heath Ledger's Joker, and you know he's behind the cell and he's got the elaborate plan sure. that he wants to get caught. So it's like very similar. But like this movie also steals from Dark Knight in a couple bits. By the way, even the chess game at the end where they're like. You know, and there's some European country and they run into each other and it's like, oh, you know, it's oh, like yeah, that's yeah. the end of Dark Knight Rises. But um Javier uh, Bardem, I really like him. Uh Adam oof. Driver. Oh, Adam Driver's so good. He could be something. Here's a new movie that Adam Driver's co- I can't remember the name of it, but in the movie it's set in like the early nineties. And he's got like a really seventies aesthetic to him. Cause he's a, a, a dad. And basically 
uh, like a comet hit like a nuclear plant and it's going to blow up and destroy like a big section of this area. So it's all about him trying to get his family away from it, but it's a comedy and <laughs> really? it looks so good. Yeah. Rami Malik, he would be cool doing something for sure. Tim Robbins. We need Tim Robbins in something. Matt Smith, he, he's a hot topic right now. Well, Morbius is going to affect his uh, ability to get any good roles. White Noise. Okay. The trailer for and Greta, Greta Gerwig, by the way, is his wife in it, and she's got like a real like, 80s aesthetic to her too. And Don Cheadle's in it. God damn, it looks so good. I just can't wait to watch this movie. Hmm. Okay. Check that yeah. out. Yeah, it definitely looks like one of the ones that I'm like, okay, this is entertaining. Music fun. by Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. I'm going this weekend to go see um, uh, Violent Night. Oh, dude. You're going to love it. <laughs> You're going to love it. I wanted to see it last it. weekend, but I just, I've been so busy. And I, so it's like finally got the free time. I, like, All right. I don't go opening weekend to almost any movie. It has to be something I'm really going to, and I know I'm going to love. Yeah, I was in Branson, Missouri for a weekend getaway, and uh, I we made a point to see this movie at the only theater in Branson. By the way, yeah, there are no movie theaters in Branson. <laughs> yeah, so we we went to this little strip mall, this tiny little theater, and watched this movie. You will love it. I used to do toy shows down in uh, Branson, and yeah, I, I know what theater you're talking about. Oh, I mean, it was Jesse. nice. But it was in a strip mall. <laughs> yeah, not to not to break the illusion for the folks out there, but the reason we haven't moved on to the what's next week is because we've already decided what next yeah, week is going to be. It true. is it is from the list. It this is, is actually from the yes. list. Uh, but because it is, we're heading into the Christmas season, and then the two weeks after that, we're going to be off, so you're not going to hear us for a bit. Um, but when we come back, which I believe will be back in like the second week of January. We are going to retool some things. There's going to be a new segment, uh, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Uh, we're excited that we're still going. We're going yeah. strong. Our numbers are still rising. It's going to be a lot of but, fun. Um, the numbers are still rising. It's a great way to stay in shape. <laughs> Jesse, why don't you tell the people uh, what we'll be uh, reviewing and talking about next week? Well, the movie next week, the magic number generator can take a week off. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's going to be... Number 26, pulled that right out of my butt crack. It is A Christmas Carol from 2009. We're taking a trip to the Uncanny Valley, people. Yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I have not watched this, but I've seen uh, images from it. It looks weird. <laughs> this is what I can tell you about this film. I, I had not seen a movie in 3D IMAX yet. And I was very excited to go see Avatar in 3D IMAX. This dates this movie. So I go to go see Avatar in 3D IMAX, and the thing fucks up. And halfway through the film, we have a 15-minute break, which I didn't mind because I went to the bathroom. Well, they decided that because of that, and the 3D IMAX ticket was like 30 bucks, they gave us free passes for 3D IMAX. That was only good for like a few months. So here's the thing. Avatar played for like six months on 3D IMAX. <laughs> the only other movie playing on 3D IMAX was 
a Christmas Carol. Jim Carrey's a Christmas Carol. <laughs> so I saw this movie in 3D IMAX, which was fucking terrifying. <laughs> and uh, that's and here's the funny part. I know the story of a Christmas Carol. I can't tell you any of this fucking movie. My mind has erased it completely. <laughs> it's a it's a trauma response. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to talk about this movie the other day and I kept mentioning shit from the Polar Express. And they go, No, that's Polar Express. I go, I don't know the difference between these two films then. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> they are two very different stories, too. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's like the movie Black Death and the movie Season of the Witch. My mind just combine those into one film, and I could not tell you which one was which. <laughs> one of them has Nick Cage, and one of them has Sean Bean. That is all I know about it. Mm. Other than that, those movies are the same film. The only reason I can think of it is because I could see the movie posters, and I know the Black Death was uh, Sean Bean, and um, Nick Cage was in Season of the Witch. So that means Ron Perlman was in Season of the Witch. I have not seen either of them. I just, oh, okay. I've just, I know what the movie posters look like. Watch them back to back. Maybe drink a little bit first, then watch them back to back, and tell me if you could give me a plot summary of either of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably actually fucking love them. Uh, I don't know because of who you are as a person. <laughs> I did like the Last Witch Hunter quite a bit with Vin Diesel. Oh, I like that movie. That I, I, that was like a passion project, and he got like he has so many fucking great side characters in there. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, the the chick from uh, Game of Thrones, the redhead chick, she was great. And he had Elijah Wood and fucking Alfred. Oh, it was just that was just good stuff, man. Oh yeah. Oh Jesse. All right. Oh, where's my list? There it is. Jesse, uh-huh. where can the good folks find you? <laughs> you wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. I had to uh, uh, for now. Write it down on paper because I'm a fucking old man. Not even paper. I wrote on a napkin. <laughs> That's awesome. Just uh, happened to be next to my desk. For now, I guess I'll still say you can find me on Twitter at Pin of Doom. However, it's probably not the best place. Uh, honestly, just uh, uh, look for me on Mastodon. It's probably easier. Uh, it's, um, I'm at Pin of Doom at twit.social, T-W-I-T dot social. I learned that if you enter the name of the person, like at uh, Brando Supreme, mastodon it'll bring you to him regardless but if you are looking for what channel i'm on i'm on the c.im channel uh and you can also find me on tiktok i am brandon w lobo on there uh i just do movie reviews and garage sale finds it's been slow lately because i haven't seen a new movie in a bit but uh i plan on in the new year taking it seriously and trying to upload at least once a week so there's that and you can also find us still on Facebook for the box office bomb squad. And you can still send us uh, emails to magic box at gmail.com. And if you go to anchor.fm, you can leave us a voicemail. We'll listen to it and it'll uh, be our new year's resolution. Probably not. And at the bottom, there's a place where you can leave us money. I'll bring back the shekel jar <laughs> and you can leave us a little Christmas gift. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> We right, we did well, give you how many hours did we talk? We talked about our stats at the beginning of this episode. Oh yeah, I always it was know. like God. It was like two thousand two hundred and twenty-seven hours or something like that that we've yeah we rattled guys, on like, at least ten days of pure entertainment. That that many hours and just no useful information. Oh yeah, 
it's a good chuckle. <laughs> I don't think anybody's learning anything. If there's anything you can take from this, let it be a very diverse, knowledgeable web of what films Joe Morton has been in. <laughs> it's probably the most educational thing we have here is where was Joe Morton related to some other person? We could probably make our own Kevin Bacon site, just a web of Joe Morton. <laughs> A character web of Joe Morton. Was this every time we do one, we add a new one. A new yeah. string. I should have a big. I should have a big board with red strings, <laughs> like the Charlie yeah. Day board from yeah. uh, Always Sunny. Board with the big picture of Joe Morton in the middle of it. Ah, that would be good stuff. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll get you back next week with the Christmas special for Christmas Carol, and uh, then we'll be gone for a couple weeks. So, uh, Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Uh, yeah. Happy Toyota Thon. <laughs>